Canby New Life Foursquare Church welcomes you. We're located at 2350 Southeast Territorial Road, just off Highway 99E. We hope the following message will be a blessing to you. Well, this morning I want to talk to you just for a little bit about Christmas. It's a good time, it's an appropriate subject, but I want to talk to you about the blessings that come with Christmas. There's so many blessings in so many ways God blesses us and he pours out his grace in our lives. One of the things I think about is, uh, is our relationship, the ability that God has given us to have a relationship, to know each other, to pray for each other. And that's one reason we have that Christmas card. Uh, Sam mentioned it earlier. We have a Christmas card every year. And the primary reason, there really is a catch to it, the primary reason is that you'll pray for our family. We just ask that you would do that. And all the Christmas cards, the notes and letters that are sent to us, we pray for your families as well. And so we want to do that. It's just a great way, the best way that we can encourage each other during this season. Well, Christmas is here. You know it's here. Uh, grandparents know it's here. We had our first sign of Christmas. Uh, Ronnie, my son, went to uh, cut Jack's hair, my grandson, and he wouldn't sit still. He, he didn't want to have anything to do with a haircut. So like a good father, he bribed him. He bribed him with a Tootsie Roll. He gave him a Tootsie Roll. He sat still for a haircut. The haircut was over. The Tootsie Roll was gone, and he wanted another Tootsie Roll. And so he said, Tandy, I want candy. His little sister, his big sister, excuse me, was there, and she said, Don't worry, Jack, we're going over to Grandma and Grandpa's house today, and they have lots and lots of candy and cookies, and we love it. They come home, we give them candy and cookies, they go back all jacked up. I mean, it's all the sugar rush, they, it's just fun, and so it's great. Christmas season is a fun time, it really is. You know, several years ago now that... Um, I came across the most unlikely Christmas story in the Bible. At least at the time, it seemed that way to me, and I want to share that Christmas story with you today. The story is found in 1 John chapter 1. If you look, you can find it in verses 1 through 4, and if you want to turn there with me, you can do that, because we're going to read it together. I want to read this together, and when we do, what I hope happens is that you notice in this passage all the blessings that come from Christmas. What are the Christmas blessings that are there for you and me? And I want to read it beginning at verse 1. It says this. It says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared and we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. It's an amazing passage of Scripture because in that four verses, you're going to find a few blessings. In your bulletin, you can write these blessings down. But let me tell you a little bit about the man who wrote this. The author is the Apostle John, believed to have lived the longest of any of the disciples. He probably lived well into his 80s, and that's about the time he wrote these passages, these words to us. And he comes to us like a father, like a grandfather. If you read a little further, he uses the phrase, my friends or my dear children. And what you have there is you have this endearing quality that, that someone older, someone wiser is speaking to you. And that's the feeling you get. That's at least the feeling I get when I read this passage. And so when we read this, 
I think this account gives all of us the reason why Christmas is fundamentally such a happy season, why it's such a joyous time of year. I know that many of us may struggle through it. We may struggle through times like that because of past in history and the things that we've had, the, the heartaches that we've had. But fundamentally, what we know about Christmas, what is told to us in this passage of Scripture is that it's a joyous time of year. And so when we look at this, there's a reason we can be joyful. We sing at Christmas time, really, only joy to the world, other songs like it, because First John tells us that the untouchable has become the touchable. The invisible has become the visible. What we know about this is the ideal has become real. And even more, the divine has become human. You see, that gives us all reason to rejoice. That's why we rejoice during the Christmas season especially. And I want to give to you some ways that Christmas will bring blessing to you. Number one is this. Christmas brings blessing because of its rich history. I don't know if you've ever thought of Christmas this way. But I hope you hold on to this because over the years, at least in my lifetime, we've lost the impact, the influence of history. I want things to hold on to. You need things in your life that, that, that you can hold on to, moorings in life that you can say, hey, this is something I, I can really count on. Well, when we read the story of Christmas, it gives us something we can count on. This time of year is a time of year that you have and you can celebrate a rich history in God. Because that's what this is really all about. What John is saying here is we saw him. We heard him. We felt him. This is eternal life. Here's what John is saying to all of us. He's saying when I tell you about Jesus being born, when I talk to you about him walking on the water, of Jesus rising from the dead, these are not legends. I'm not talking to you about fancy stories and parables. What I'm doing right here is I'm telling you the truth. John is saying we're not making this stuff up. These are just not spiritual parables. These are things that we saw. We witnessed him do these things. We heard him do these things. We felt him do these things. The manger, the resurrection, the story of Jesus, all of these things are not just stories, but it's true. It actually happened in history. There's something that we can look back to and we can say, this happened and we know it happened. It's chronicled. There are eyewitnesses who saw all of this take place. So why is this important? Why do we talk about this, this time of year right now during this season? I think it's because the average person believes that these are just wonderful stories. I think the average person probably thinks that the Christmas story is just a parable, that, that they're just legends, that it really didn't happen. But not true with John. And you'll notice something about John. He jumps right in here, doesn't he? He just begins to tell you the heart of the matter. He's talking to you in a way that only an eyewitness could talk to you. You see, other authors, other authors in the Bible, they'll start to build their case. They'll lay a foundation. They'll, they'll build it to the primary truth or the primary purpose of why they're writing. But here, John just jumps in and he says, hey, folks, this is what you need to know about Jesus Christ. That he came to us in the flesh and that he gives eternal life to all who believe. You see, he's jumping in. He's coming right out of the gate. And the reason he can do that is because he has authority, the authority that only an eyewitness can have. When John says, I saw him, when he says, I felt him, I heard him, I heard him with my own ears, I saw him with my own eyes. You see, everyone would know that John was really there, that he was an actual eyewitness. So therefore, every reader of the New Testament knew either 
that what was being said were absolute lies or what was being said was being said by eyewitnesses who were there and there in person. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but when you read through the Gospels, there's these little details that sometimes just slip by, but I think they're important for us to to pay attention to. And one of these details is found in John chapter 6. The same guy who wrote the words we just read wrote the Gospel of John. And he says some things in there that lead us to understand that he was an actual eyewitness and not just somebody writing parables. Because when you write parables, what you do is you get to the moral of the story. What you do is you cut out a lot of maybe the details because the details aren't there. They're just parables. They're just nice stories. They're legends. But the Apostle John does something that's very interesting in John chapter 6. It's the famous story of Jesus walking on the water. Remember that story? Jesus is walking on the water and the apostles see it. But what happens is John describes it this way. He says, we got in the boat. And we started rowing. And about three or three and a half miles out, we saw Jesus walking on the water. Listen, if it's a parable or a legend, you don't give that kind of detail. You don't say three or three and a half miles out. The only reason you would say something like that is because you were there. You saw it happen. You see, John saw all of this happen. He saw everything take place here. If they were lies... They're some of the stupidest lies I've ever heard, honestly. I mean, let's be honest. Let's be frank. These are some of the dumbest lies that you've ever heard, and here's why. These accounts were written down within the lifetime of people who were there. You see, if you're going to write that 500 people saw Jesus risen from the dead in the Kidron Valley, you wouldn't write it 40 or 50 years later like the Gospels were written. You would write it 100 years later when everybody who lived in the Kidron Valley at the time was dead. See, if you falsely write that 500 people saw Jesus in the Kidron Valley and lots of people are still living in the Kidron Valley who were there at the time, you're never going to have a religion that gets off the ground. It's not going to go anywhere. But if it did get off the ground, it's because they wrote these accounts and they were not contradicted. Nobody stepped up and said, hey, we really didn't see that. And there were people alive when John wrote this. So everybody agreed they saw Jesus Christ after his resurrection. Amazing. The point of Christmas is that Jesus Christ really lived. The point of Christmas is that Jesus really died. You see, the point of Christmas is that he really rose again. It happened in history. And he did all of these things, and he said all of these things. And please, listen to this just for a moment, because the Gospels, the good news, is not that Jesus Christ came to this planet and tells us how to live, that we live, and if we live a good life, then somehow God owes us some kind of blessing. The Gospel is that Jesus Christ came to this earth, he lived the life we should have lived, he died the death we should have died, So when we believe in him and we accept him, we are able to live a life of grateful joy for him. In other words, if these things are just parables and really didn't happen, we can't be saved utterly by grace. It means there's another way or we think there's another way. We think, well, maybe if we work hard enough, maybe if we're good enough, 
Maybe somehow God will accept us and, and we'll be okay. Maybe if we work hard enough, we'll get a free pass into heaven. Listen, I'll tell you what, the odds are pretty slim that that kind of thing is going to happen. I don't want to roll the dice uh, based on my salvation, my eternal life. And what God says to us is he says, if you believe in him, you're saved. You see, Christmas is about that kind of salvation. Christmas is about the reality of Jesus coming to save us because we can't save ourselves. We have no ability to bring salvation to ourselves. The blessing of Christmas brings us the fact that this really happened. We have a rich history brought to us by God himself. You see, you have a history because God sent Jesus to us. And he really lived here. And we can say he lives. You see, when you look at this story a little more, you recognize there are a few other blessings. The second blessing that you see here is that Christmas brings you the blessing of a divine mystery. And I love this. I love this because it talks to us about God. You know, we're not going to ever understand everything about God. There's mysteries that, that continue to unfold and will continue to unfold throughout eternity. The fact that God became man, even more that God became a baby, that's a mystery. I, I can't explain all of that to you. I have no ability. There's no words. There's no mind that can really get their, 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 their head around that. It's a, it's a mystery. But what we do know is that relationship has been offered to us. Because if you look at verse 3, it tells us that our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. And the word fellowship, which is koinonia, means that if Jesus Christ has come, that if Christmas is true, we can have a personal relationship with God. Wow. I got to say, that, that's great news. That's incredible. Do I understand all of that? No, I don't understand all of that. But I'll tell you this, I've received it. I've accepted it. This is amazing because God is no longer a remote idea. He's no longer what maybe you thought he was growing up in church as someone that you should run and hide from, someone that you needed to stay away from because you knew judgment was coming, the fire, the, the fire was coming, the lightning bolts were coming. No, this isn't the God that's spoken of in the Bible. I love this because God became flesh, and that means that you're going to know more about God. He chose, he made a decision to let you know more about him. You know, he'll be somebody that you can relate to because this, you have seen him weeping. You have seen him downcast. You have seen him in hardship and you've seen him exalted. That's what the gospels tell us. They show us all of these things about God. You know, when you think about the blessings of Christmas, I don't think you, can, you, you can't help but stop and realize that God has done amazing things to get you to know him personally. He's lavished things on you so that you could know him, that you could see him. If the son would come all the way, all of this way to become a real person, I mean a real baby, a real child, a real teenager, a real adult. You know, I really believe that the Holy Spirit will do anything in his power to make Jesus real to you this season. I believe that with all of my heart. You know, when I think about the different holidays that we celebrate as believers in Jesus, I, I think about Easter, and there, there are a few things that come to mind. One of the things that comes to mind that always stands out is we celebrate resurrected life during Easter, the power of resurrected life. 
when it comes to Christmas, there's another thought I have, and that is the power of presence. Because Christmas is really all about presence. It's all about God sending his, his son. It's all about the presence of God being here on earth. Emmanuel, God is dwelling with us. It's the power of presence. And that's what I pray you experience There's no other celebration that brings so many people together on planet Earth on one particular day. I think the gifts are designed. I think God really made that up because the gifts are designed really to bring people together. God said, I want to do this. I'm going to give you a gift in myself. I want you to give gifts to each other. But you know the plan behind all of this is the plan is so that you can have relationship. That's the plan. That's what God has put together for us. It's really amazing to me. I'm going to tell you what my prayer is for you in the next few days, in the next few weeks. My prayer for you is that God would show up in some profound and miraculous ways when you gather this Christmas season. And that you would even understand more the great power of presence that you find in Christmas. I hope you receive that. I hope that's something you experience because Christmas is an invitation to know Jesus Christ. It's an open invitation. It's a gracious invitation. It's a standing invitation. You see, what God did by sending us his son Jesus is he said, hey, all of you can come now. Before you had to do a lot of different things to get to me, but what I want is relationship with you, so I'm sending Jesus Christ. That's my invitation so that you can boldly come to me now. He says that in the book of Hebrews. Boldly come before the throne of grace. You don't have to be afraid anymore. You don't have to wonder anymore. You don't have to think, will I be accepted anymore? Because the answer is you are accepted. You are included when you come to him. It's amazing. At our house, there's a standing invitation, an open invitation to all of our family. Nobody has to ring the doorbell. They don't have to knock on the door. They can just come right on in. All we hear is the the feet running through the hallway. All we hear is, hey, we're here. Papa, I'm here. There's just this announcement. There's no hesitation. Why? Because it's a place that has an open invitation. It's the same thing that God has given us in Jesus Christ. He says, come. And I hope you run through that door. The Bible says he stands at the door of your heart and he knocks today. Open it up. Give him an open invitation because he has given you an open invitation. And here's the last thing. I'm going to finish with this. Christmas brings you the blessing of sacred relationships. That word sacred isn't used that often. In fact, I debated whether or not I should use it. But the more I looked at the definition, the more I wanted to use it because I think it's appropriate. I think that Christmas brings you the blessing of sacred relationships. Sacred is this. It just means something very simple. It means being set apart for a special purpose, a noble purpose. And you see, when you accept Jesus Christ, when you believe in him, what happens is you've been set apart now, that you have purpose in life, and it's better than it was before, much better than it was before, because the old is gone, the new has come. I'm now being set apart. It's a sacred relationship that I have with God now. And because I have a sacred relationship with God, I can have a sacred relationship with others. It's a relationship that's set apart. God in the flesh leads us towards relationships that are set apart. Jesus says, I want fellowship with you. This time of year, Christmas is really all about becoming more desirous of close personal relationships. Let me ask you a question. When two people are different culturally and their languages are different, how are they going to get to know each other? How is the barrier going to be broken? How is relationship going to begin? 
It begins usually by, and the formula is the same all around the world. It usually begins by one person being weaker than the other and saying, I want to learn your language. It begins by one who has a will, a heart to learn the other's language and become vulnerable and weak. And once that happens, and maybe you've experienced this, you're learning a language and it's kind of broken and you're vulnerable and you're weak and you feel a little bit silly, don't you? And that's the way you feel sometimes. I experienced that several years ago. I was invited by some of our Hispanic pastors to Wenatchee, Washington. And I wanted to go there and spend time with the pastors of the four square churches up there. And, and I said, I'd, I'd love to come, but I, but I want to come under one condition. While I'm there, I don't want you to speak any English to me. All I want to hear is Spanish. Can you, can you put up with me if, if that's the condition? And they said, see. You see, I went there with very little Spanish. I mean, I grew up poquito español. Habla, not so much, but, but I can understand a little more than I can speak. And, and I was thinking, I need to be immersed. I need to go into this world and really learn. And when I went into this world and no English was spoken, it was only Spanish, I thought, well, when I was asking for certain things, like important things, donde está los baños? That means where's the bathroom? Those are very important things. Where can I eat? I, I learned the basics, but I, I, I realized I was getting more immersed in the, in the culture and the language. And I was very surprised at what happened. By me becoming weak and vulnerable, I was thinking maybe, maybe there's going to be a little ridicule here. Maybe, maybe they're going to laugh at my language, my broken Spanish. Maybe, maybe they're going to make fun of me. None of that happened. In fact, what happened is respect for each other just grew immensely. And then I got it. Then I understood. I understood what the Apostle Paul meant when he said, in my weakness, you have become strong. You see, there's amazing things in relationship when you choose to be the weak one, when you choose to be the vulnerable one. The gifts and the blessings of God e emerge out of your life. They, they, they flow out of your life. And when that happens, people see that and they notice that. And it's amazing things that you didn't even expect, things that you didn't even count on or, or weren't even looking at take place. And what happens is there's a blessing and you grow. Are you going to be vulnerable? That's the question. Somebody needs to be. If you follow the way of Jesus, you say, I'll not work so much to be understood, but I want to understand others. I'm not going to work so much at getting my needs met, but I'm going to work at serving others and seeing their needs met. When you understand this, what you do is you're going to say, I'm going to enter into relationship, and I'm not going to work at, at thinking I know what everyone wants when they want something. I'm going to ask them what they want. I'm going to defer to someone else. I want to talk. I want to be weak. I want to understand. You see, when you think of it that way, that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus came to a land like this, a foreign land, as a child. He became weak. He became vulnerable so that we would have strength. What he says is, he says, operate the same way, act the same way, do the same things. And we have that ability because Jesus has given us the power of his Holy Spirit. Would you do this with me? Would you just bow your heads for a moment? What I wanted to do today was just to give you a Christmas story, maybe a Christmas story of the unusual kind because it's, it's not always where we go when we think about Christmas. When we think about Christmas, we don't always turn to 1 John chapter 1, but today 
we were able to do something and find some blessing in the Christmas season. But there's blessing for you. Man, during the Christmas season, there is this blessing, this great blessing of, of a rich history that's brought to your life. I'm so thankful for that. Christmas brings you the blessing of a divine mystery. God becoming flesh. I don't know if we'll ever understand that totally. And then the other is that Christmas brings you the blessing of sacred relationships. These are things that God has blessed us with today. If you're here today and you need, you need Jesus Christ in your life, maybe you just need to invite him. I said earlier, there's a standing invitation for you. He says, all who will come, let them come. He wants to get to know you more. After the service, there are going to be prayer teams up front here. And if you want to invite Jesus into your life, come forward and just receive prayer. Would you do that? And if there are any others here that need prayer for whatever reasons, maybe you have some physical needs. Maybe there are needs you need in your own family during this Christmas season. Come and join with somebody and pray together. There's nothing more powerful than that. Pray together. Father, we want to thank you today for, again, the amazing and lavish blessing that you pour out upon our lives. I ask today that you bless everyone in this room, that you let us be more than just hearers, but let us be doers, that you would transfer what we've heard today into our hearts to transform, to make us different. In Jesus' name we pray, and we say amen and amen. You can contact the church office Tuesday through Thursday from 9 to 5 and Fridays from 9 to 3 at 503-266-4444. Please visit us on the web anytime at canbefoursquare.com. Pastor Ron and others on New Life staff, along with occasional guest speakers, trust that the Holy Spirit will use the message to teach you, encourage you, and give you hope. Thank you.